Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, it is good to be in the house of the Lord. Of course, the house of the Lord is not a building, but it's the presence of God within us. It's a good place to abide, to live in. And when we do, the Bible says, when we all assemble together, everybody has something. Because it comes from a life of abiding. It doesn't come from a life of getting together. It comes from a life of abiding. Building up that spiritual life. Building yourself up praying in tongues. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Building up your holy faith. That's how it comes. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. 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 See, entering into that place doesn't come because of having pent-up energy. It's because of the abiding presence of God. And He always abides in us. And the Bible says that as He abides in us, we ought to be abiding in Him. For He'll never leave us nor forsake us. We should never leave him nor forsake him. And I don't mean walking away and denying Jesus as Lord of your life. I'm talking about walking away from that life in the spirit, connected with the Holy Ghost in our heart, praying in tongues, and, and just walking by the spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, that's what the Christian's life is all about. We've talked about the fact that we are not to be ordinary people. We don't live like people do on this world. We don't act like people do in this world. We don't pray like religious people do in this world. We're not ordinary. We are God's precious possession. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we come before you right now to sit at your feet and hear the word being taught to us by your spirit. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you walk in the midst of the church, that you scrutinize and watch over things, not so much the things that are happening in the natural, but that which is in our heart that is to come out into this natural world. But many times things that we see in the natural is a result of what's in our heart. Yes, and I know, Jesus, that you look at the whole man, spirit, soul, and body. And we look to be pleasing to you, Lord, and walking in a manner that is worthy of you. Holy Spirit, impart revelation into our heart today that the power of hell is not able to stand against it, that the word come on your anointing, by the voice of your, your voice, Holy Spirit, that we would declare today, use me in the way you would have me to be used. Speak through me in the way you would have me to speak. And open up our hearts that we would hear from heaven. Say it with me. Here I am, Lord. I'm ready to receive teaching, teaching, discipline, Reproof, training in righteousness, 
that I would become adequate and equipped for every, for every, for every good deed that you have created me for. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lift your hands. Bless him. Bless him. Bless him. Bless him. Bless him. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's open up to Genesis 35. Hallelujah. Genesis 35. And we're going to read verse 11. God is talking here to Jacob. It says, God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply, a nation and a company of nations that shall come from you, and kings shall come forth from you. But what we want to see here is that God says to Jacob, I am God Almighty. God Almighty is El Shaddai in the Hebrew. It means that he is the all-powerful and almighty one. It means that he is all-bountiful, all-sufficient. He is the one that provides strength and nourishment. He's the God that is more than enough. Yes, hallelujah. hallelujah. God that is more than enough. God who is more than enough. He is all bounty. He is all sufficiency. He is all strength. He is all nourishment. He is all might. And he is all power. Glory to God. Now, the Lord here is manifesting himself to Jacob as El Shaddai. He did it before with Isaac, and he did it before with Abraham. In fact, when he spoke to Abraham, it was the first time he revealed himself as El Shaddai, the all-powerful, almighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God not only wants to manifest himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but he also wants to manifest himself to you. Yes. Well, here's the deal. He just did. Yes. He just did. Now, all you have to do is start receiving the fact that he is all your bounty. He is all your sufficiency. He is all your might. He is all your power. He is everything that you need for strength and for nourishment. He is your all in all, your everything. He is your all-sufficient one. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, I want you to put up the fact that he's your all-sufficient one and all that he is, and then I want you to put up your little impy little problem that you think is so big. Now, all you have to do is get through the day with that thought. Psalm 144. Psalm 144, verse 2. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says here, my loving kindness, this is David talking of the Lord, my loving kindness and my fortress, my stronghold, my deliverer, my shield, 
He is in whom I take refuge, who subdues my people under me. He's what? He is my, not ours. He's mine. My loving kindness. He's my fortress. He's my stronghold. He's my deliverer. He's my shield. And it's in him that I take my refuge. Glory to God. This is adjective upon adjective that the psalmist describes what God is to him. Say it again. My loving kindness, my fortress, my stronghold, my deliverer, my shield, my refuge. He's my protection. He's my everything that I need. He's the one that empowers me to be able to subdue and to overcome opposition. No wonder the psalmist would say he trusts in him. Our failure to trust such a God. Now, this is from the analytical Bible expositor. This is not my words. Our failure to trust such a God is not God's fault. It's just our own stupidity. Now, sitting here, it's every e very easy to go, yeah, that's right. But when you face the trash out there, where does your thinking go? What do you lean to? Where is your hope set? And what's coming out of your mouth? And if the wrong things are coming out of our mouth and we're leaning into the wrong place, then we're not trusting in God. And it's not God's fault. He's already revealed himself as Al Shaddai. It's not God's fault. He is the all-sufficient one. He provides all the necessary help, all the necessary protection, and he enables us to conquer anything that would oppose the work of the Lord. Now, when I say the work of the Lord, forget ministry. Forget it. We're not even talking about that. Because if you're not doing this, you could forget about ministry. Because if you're not opposing what stands against you, renewing your mind, you're not ready for ministry. You're not ready for a position of service. If we're not doing what it takes to stand against what's keeping us from developing in the character of God, he's given us what we need to stand against these things so I can develop in the character of God, so I can walk more in a manner worthy of the Lord. That's with my soul, with my body, with my mind, with my mouth. Isn't that right? Amen. He enables us to conquer anything that would oppose the work of the Lord, where the word of the Lord is telling me my life needs to change. You know, you could be saved for up to an amount of years. I don't care if you go on 200. I'm going to imagine you still need change. Well, how long am I going to need change? <laughs> How about when you get to heaven? Oh, then it'll be good, will it? Or are you still going to have to change? Yeah. I'm not making any suggestions, comments, or thoughts about it, but just something to think about. That's right. Are you understanding what I'm saying? 
What about the things that would oppose the promises of God? Oh, yeah, that's what I stand against. <laughs> you say, but you haven't worked on renewing your mind. You haven't worked on developing a character. So you could forget about standing against the things that are opposing the promises of God. Just because you stand up and go, well, I believe I receive, sorry. Now, that's an aspect of it, but that's not all of it. There's the character of God that gives strength to what you believe you receive. There's a renewing of the mind that gets you on track in believing what you received. There's changing your life and getting it in order with God so that you believe what you receive. Sure got quiet in this Presbyterian church. What about enabling us to conquer whatever would oppose our witnessing for the Lord? That would include your timidity, your fear, and your thought that somebody might not like you. Get over it. There's a lot of people that don't like you. You might as well just face that. They don't like you. You may not have even opened your mouth and they don't like you. The thought that everybody likes you is a deception. There's a lot of different people out there with a lot of different personalities, upbringing, background, and they don't like you just because you're you. Now, if you haven't learned that yet, you need to get out of your closet and come out to the world and find out there's people that don't like you and then deal with it. Don't run back into your closet when you find out they don't like you. Stay out there and deal with it. What about when God wants you to do something and there's works of obedience that you need to do to obey God? And that something's going to oppose that. Now, if some people, now some people say things like, well, you know, I obey God in everything. Well, I understand that because you got your diapers on. Don't shout me down. Because when you got your diapers on, just like a little baby, not much is required of you. All that's required is, come to Papa, come to Papa, come on, you can do it. That's about all that's required of that little baby. And that baby comes waddling along, go, I do what Papa tells me to do. I do what Papa, I do everything Papa. Well, Papa only done told you one thing, come to Papa. That's all Papa said. What are we talking about? Growth. Developing in the Lord. He's the all-sufficient one, and he's right there to help you. He's right there to provide everything you need so you can grow. He's not there to provide everything you need for your money. He's not there to provide everything you need for your house or for your new car or for all that. Yeah, fine, but that's not what it's about. God's more concerned with you growing up. And you don't need money to grow up. But for some, that's all they think about. Oh, I believe that's sowing and reaping. What else do you believe? Well, I believe sowing and reaping. Well, what else do you believe? I believe in sowing and reaping. Well, you won't grow up with that. Unless you're sowing to the things of the Spirit. Spirit. 
Are you with me? All right, let's go to something happier. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. (laughs) Ephesians 3, 16. It says that he would grant to you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Well, let's look at it in the Passion Translation. It says, and I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor, which is grace, until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Hallelujah. If God is El Shaddai and God is all-sufficient and all-powerful and all-bounty and all-sufficiency, if he's everything, then no wonder his grace and his glory is unlimited. And he says here, that you would unveil within me. Not that you would show me, but that you would unveil it within me. That the riches of your glory and your grace continues to grow in me so that supernatural strength. This is supernatural. This goes beyond just your personality. This just goes beyond your physical abilities. This is supernatural strength that floods your innermost being. Because God, whom we serve with our spirit, therefore in our spirit floods divine might and explosive power full of supernatural strength. It's the kind of strength to where you don't have to say a word and strength just exudes from you. It's the kind of strength that when they came to arrest Jesus and they said, are you Jesus of Nazareth? And he said, I am. And 50 of the fiercest army soldiers bit the dust. That's all he said was, I am. Bam. Strength. That's supernatural strength. This is not ordinary. This is not religion. This is the El Shaddai, the Almighty God. His grace and His glory revealed. As that continually gets unveiled within us. Now, how does it get unveiled within us? By spending time with Him. We'll get into more of that. But it gets unveiled within us. Step by step, little by little, line upon line. And the more that gets unveiled within us, the more that supernatural strength grows. The more that divine might and explosive power is released inside of me. He's the all-powerful, almighty, and all-bountiful one. These are the things that we are to set our faith for. I set my faith. I done set my reminders a year ago that he would unveil within me. And I, it comes up every day, and I declare it every day, that he would unveil within me the unlimited riches of his glory and his grace until supernatural strength floods my innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. That's what we ought to set our faith for. 
Why don't many people set their faith for this? Because it doesn't look like a promise. It doesn't look like something I need or something I want or something I'd like to have or something that I think is going to make my life better, easier, comfortable. But I'll tell you this right now. Without that, the other stuff's not working. These are things that when we see in the Word of God, we should set our faith on it. Now, how do you set your faith? Oh, yeah, I want that. I want that. Well, we don't care what you want. you got to get it in your heart and get it in your mouth. Get it in your heart, get it in your mouth. Get it in your heart, get it in your mouth. And start operating by a spirit of faith. And press into these things so that you can accomplish it. Because our desire is to accomplish the will of God on this earth. And apart from him, it won't be done. Apart from knowing him, it won't be done. Apart from walking with him, it won't be done. Apart from operating out of your spirit, it won't be done. If the glory and the grace are unlimited, what does that mean about the strength, the might, and the power? There's no limit to that. There's no limit to these things. Are you with me? This is bountiful strength, bountiful might, bountiful power that comes from the one of all bountifulness, all sufficiency into your spirit. Glory to God. Psalm chapter 1. You can tell we're building a case. See, the Holy Spirit is the advocate. He knows how to build a case. And the case of the Holy Spirit cannot be stood against. Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Now, that doesn't mean so much that you are the wicked, you are the sinner, or you are the scoffer, but those are your friends. And these are the ones that give you advice in life. They're the ones that Pastor Tim talked about in the 930 service, backslidden apostasy people. That we let talk to us, show us, inform us, and instruct us. But it says here in the Word of God, you'll be blessed if you have nothing to do with them. But his delight is in the law or the Word of the Lord. And in his Word, he meditates day and night. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Meditates in the word, muses over it, mutters it to himself, ponders it, thinks about it. His delight is in the word of the Lord. You know, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. What you spend most of your time with proves what your heart, where your heart is and what your desire is. 
It's not about, oh, yeah, I desire God. I desire the things of God. What imbecile doesn't? I don't call, I'm not calling you an imbecile. I'm saying if, an, if a person's an imbecile, they'd still want those things. So who doesn't want it? You'd be mentally deranged not to want it. We all want it. But wanting it is not delighting. Neither is it desiring. It's just an empty want. I'd like things to change. I'd like things to be better. Well, you ain't changing and you ain't getting better. So how do you expect your life to change? How do you expect your life to get better? We want what God says. Well, all we have to do is live what his word says. That's all we have to do. Walk in his ways. Get on his path. Muse over, mutter, and ponder the word to ourselves. You know, you got to learn to speak the word of God. Speak the word you heard. I didn't say you need to speak the word you understand. You may not have a flipping idea of what was just said, but I'd suggest you get it in your mouth. Because it is the word of God. And the reason you don't understand is because it's beyond your thinking. That's all. You know, God said his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. So why is it that we expect that we're going to understand everything God says? You won't understand any of it until it gets revealed to you. And it'll never get revealed to you until you start meditating on it. And if you only accept what you understand, then God is not your trust. You are your trust. Because you trust it to be right because you understand it. Well, that makes you your trust. But God is my loving kindness. He is my fortress. He is my refuge. He is my strong tower. He is my all and all and my everything. He is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. And do I think for a moment within my little pea brain that I'm going to understand God? 6,000 years ago, he put man on the earth. And 6,000 years ago, he knew how it was going to end. And we're going to understand God. You can't understand what isn't revealed. And you can't get it revealed until you meditate on it. Amen. You just need to speak it. You just need to repeat what the word of God. Be a puppet. Stop, being, stop trying to be the puppet master and start becoming the puppet. And let the Holy Spirit put his hand in the back of your head and start moving your mouth. And start saying what he says. Because that's what a puppet does. A puppet says what the puppet master puts in his mouth. I don't think Jeff Durham has ever come up with his own lines. That's a puppet. The guy with the hand in the back of the puppet, he's the one that's got the lines. And the puppet just moves his mouth. And what the puppet master says comes out. So you're not hearing the puppet talk. You're hearing the puppet master. Well, you need to start hearing the puppet master, and you need to start letting him talk out of your mouth. And the result of that will be obedience. The result is that you'll walk in it. You'll walk in what we set ourselves on. And when you start speaking and speaking and speaking, you're setting yourself on these things. And then the Holy Spirit's going to move on the inside of your spirit, and he'll bring the strength and the courage that you need so that you can walk in it. What are we to meditate on? 
the general word of God. That's what we meditate on, the general written word of God. Then when we get meditating on that and that becomes the process of our life, then you'll start hearing specific words from the Holy Spirit to you. See, a lot of people just want a specific word, a specific leading of the Holy Spirit without meditating on the written word. And why are you to meditate on the written word? In order to what? Observe to do it. Joshua 1.8. You observe to do it. You meditate in order to do it. Okay? So unless you're meditating on it and observing to do the general written word of God, then without being in that habit, we're going to hear something. Everybody hears something. But who are you hearing from? That's the whole thing. Who, just because you heard something, number one, doesn't mean it's right. Number two, doesn't mean it's God. And number three, doesn't always mean you ought to do it. No matter how good it sounds to you. Because most things we hear from God don't sound right to us. A lot of times they don't make sense to us. When I hear something from God and it makes perfect sense to me, it's usually me. Because I make perfect sense to me. That's why I don't share it with my wife. Because she looks at me and goes, what are you, stupid? No, she don't say that. I know. Don't say that too much. We don't want it to take root. So if I hear something and I have not been spending time in the Word of God, I have not been observing to do the general Word of God, then when I hear something, I get totally confused about it, whether it's the voice of God or not. Why? Because I'm not in the habit of hearing the written Word. That written Word is to talk to you. I should get in the habit of hearing the Word of God. In fact, it's the more sure Word of God. It's even more sure than when the Spirit of God speaks to you. Because the Word of God is spoken by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that right? Amen. So, I wanted to be giving myself to meditating on the Word of God, get in the habit of doing that, so I would observe to do what's in the Word of God, because when I get into the Word of God and meditate, I'm speaking it, which is going to create a habit and create a result of doing it. And then as I get in the habit of hearing while I'm spending time in the Word of God and that Word speaks to me, I'm now hearing the Lord speak to me. So when I'm not by the Word of God and I'm out someplace doing something and I hear something, I'm like, I know that voice. It's the same voice I hear in that Word. See, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Well, what does the sheep do? Hangs around the shepherd, the Word of God. If you don't hang around the Word of God, you're not going to know the shepherd's voice. You'll hear voices, but there are many voices in the land. Isn't that right? Verse 3. It says, He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. Who? Who is the he that will? He that delights in the Word of God. He that meditates on the Word of God. He that's developed a habit of being in the Word of God. He will be like a tree. 
He will yield its fruit. He will have a leaf that does not wither. And he will prosper in whatever he does. Why? Because he's made the word of God the habit of his life. The word of God, the habit of his life. Are you with me? Amen. See, this is a product, product of hearing the word of God. This is not a product of hearing the specific word of God. This is a product of hearing the word of God speak to you. He meditates in the word day and night. Observes to do it. And then this is the result. He mutters. Well, I don't know why I need to meditate so much. Because you don't delight. That's why you have the question. See, when you delight in something, we all know about delighting in something. Right things, wrong things, good things, bad things, legal things, illegal things, moral things, and immoral things. We all know what it's like to delight in something. And whatever that delight is, we think about it. We think about it, glory to God. We mutter it to ourselves. We sometimes even make plans and our imagination takes us places it should not maybe take us. We all know how to do this. So don't look at me like you're so holy. We all know. I'll be the first one to admit it. So we know how to meditate. And ponder and think about what we delight in. You just have to make the word your delight. And why does not the word become a delight for many people? Because they don't know God. They don't know that he's the all-powerful. They don't know that he's the El Shaddai, the, the, the Jehovah Rapha, the Jehovah Jireh, the Jehovah Shalom, the Jehovah Shishkanu. They don't understand who he is, your righteousness, your loving kindness, your fortress, your protection, your everything, your sufficiency, your bounty, your all in all. He's the one that's delivered our sorry little self out of hell and brought us into his own kingdom, seated us at the right hand of the Lord Jesus Christ in the highest place of authority and dominion of all creation. This is our God. That should be the delight of our life. And if he's the delight of my life, I want to think like he thinks. I want to talk like he talks. I want to act like he says to act. Because he's the delight of my life. Amen. Are you with me? Meditating, mutter, muse over the written word, the more sure word of God is a major avenue of the spirit that many people discount. And yet without it, there's nothing. Many just want to hear something. Well, I just want to hear something. Oh, God, what do I do here? I need to hear something here. Like it's a shortcut. When was the last time you were in the Word of God? Well, I think sometime last week, maybe. Maybe it was two weeks. I'm not really sure right now. But I do go to church. But I do need to hear something. This isn't the shortcut. God didn't send the Holy Spirit so that he could be your shortcut. There were no shortcuts. Other people think that just praying in tongues bypasses reading the Word. I don't need to read the Word. I pray in tongues. Really? Another shortcut. And why do we do this? 
Well, the Bible says the diligent hand will be made fat. The lazy hand is going to be really lean. See, we get lazy, complacent. Well, I don't need to be in the Word. I pray in tongues. Well, I don't need to, hear, I don't need to study the Word. I have the Holy Spirit in me. I just need to hear something. Well, you'll hear something, all right. See, we need to obey the general word of God in order to hear the specific word with confidence. Some people ask, well, how do we walk in the word? It's very simple. Go to 1 Thessalonians 5.16. One of the shortest verses in the Bible. There are others that are this short, but this is one of them. And what are the two words? Rejoice always. Now, this doesn't mean you have a happy-go-lucky personality. Let's get this straight. The psalmist that stacked up adjective upon adjective about the Lord, he was rejoicing in the Lord. Now, there was a time that David just had a little loincloth wrapped around him. And he danced out in the street because they brought the ark back into the city. But that wasn't the norm. Rejoicing, always. The song we sang, great song. Rejoice, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord, always. Again, I say rejoice always, for this is the day that the Lord has made, and I do rejoice, and I'm glad in it. Now, you can sing that song over and over again. It's got a catchy tune, and it's great. It's a, it's a foot stomper, a toe tapper. We like that, but you got to go beyond that. What does, this, what does the song say? Rejoice in the Lord. So what should you do? Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. That's what you do. See, the song is another avenue to meditate. Because that is a song that is about the Word of God. It's exactly what the Word of God says. So therefore, it's another avenue to meditate. You might like song better than you like reading. So you can sing the song, but then you got to do it. It don't work unless you do it because the isn't going to help your life. And do that all you want. It won't do a lick of bit good for you. You got to do what it says. Rejoice always. Are you with me? And you might think, I can't do that all the time. Well, you would if you meditate on it. Of course, sitting there in the flesh. Of course, well, how am I going to do that? I can't do that. Well, it's because you're not meditating on it. Yeah, but I have other stuff to do. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So whatever you have to do, you're probably doing it in your soul. So in your spirit, you can't rejoice? You can't rejoice in your spirit and do what you need to do in your soul and have your body do what it needs to do, driving the car, whatever it has to do? You're a three-part being.
You need to speak it to yourself. Mutter it to yourself. Muse over it. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Well, I don't see how I can. Well, what does the word say? Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Yeah, but I don't. Well, rejoice always. What does the word say? Rejoice always. Stop meditating on what you can't do and putting more faith in what you can't do instead of putting faith in what God says you can do. It's like being led by the Holy Spirit. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I hope I get led. I hope I get it right. I hope I, you got more faith in your ability to miss God than you have in God's ability to get you to get it right. You believe more in yourself missing God than you believe in God leading you. What does God say? Rejoice always. What do you meditate on? Rejoice always. And the flesh comes up and says, yeah, but and you need to say, shut up, rejoice always. This is what the word says. This is what we meditate on. We meditate on what the word of God, but I don't understand. Doesn't matter. Rejoice always. Say it. Get it in your heart. This is what change is all about. Because if you don't change inwardly, you'll never change outwardly. You could never walk in even a, a resemblance of the things of God until you got born again. You had to get born again first in order to have any kind of an outward type manifestation of being a saved person. Well, it's the same thing. Never changes. You got to get it on the inside first. Let the inside change. and It'll come to the outside. And the way you change it, because you got to train yourself based on the word of God. Amen. See, this is how we walk together with the Lord. He gives us his word and we meditate on it. I speak it, mutter it to myself, muse over it so I can walk together with the Lord. How many of you want to walk in the wisdom of God? It's right there in his word. It's in his word. It's called love, joy, peace, endurance, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. Don't lie to one another. Don't cheat. Don't covet. Don't be jealous. Do what the Word of God says. Are you with me? Everybody wants what he said in verse 3 in Psalm chapter 1. Everybody wants that. Blessed. Like a tree planted by the streams of water. Leaf does not wither. He'll never stop bearing fruit. And whatever he does in life will prosper. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> That's what I want. I don't know if I want much about the fruit, the leaf, and the all that, but I want it to prosper. Well, notice the order it comes. You're like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which is the life of God that comes from his word. You'll yield your fruit in season because you meditate on the word, and it takes hold in you, and it'll bear fruit within you 30, 60, and 100-fold, parable of the sower. Your leaf will not wither. In other words, you'll never get discouraged, run down, beat down, withered out from the heat of the battle because your roots are in the streams of the water. And then, therefore, whatever you do will prosper. So you're not going to jump to number four until you start at number one. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So we may desire verse 3. We may want verse 3. But will we do the word in order for verse 3 to grow in us? Do we have a want for this? 
or do we have a vision? We talked about that Wednesday night, I believe. Do we have a want or do we have a vision? Do we just sit and wait or do we rise up and take hold? The difference between want and vision. Psalm 119. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Psalm 119 and verses 130 and 131. Let's look at it in the Passion Translation. 119 verses 130 and 131 in the Passion Translation. You can read it in, in your translation. I'm sure you know it. It says, break open your word within me until revelation light shines out. Those with open hearts are given insight into your plans. I open my mouth and inhale the word of God because I crave the revelation of your commands. Glory to God. So he starts off in verse in 130 and he says in 130, break open your word within me. Okay. well, I have to first put the word in. I've got to spend time in that word of God and get the word in me so that he can then break it open within me. Isn't that right? And what is the breaking open of the word? It's revelation. And revelation will shine out. Open hearts delight in the word of God. Open hearts receive insight to walk in his will. Open hearts want to walk in the plans and purposes of God. Only the light can overpower the darkness. Isn't that right? So again, in verse 31, 131. I open my mouth and inhale the word of God. What's he talking about? Meditating. I mutter that word. I mutter that word. I open my mouth, I mutter on the word and take it in. Why? Because I crave the revelation of that word. See, this is where so many people miss it. They, they look at something in the Bible and go, oh, yeah, okay, I, I got to do that. Then they go run out and try to do it, and they fall on their face. And besides that, they get everybody around them totally aggravated and disgusted at them. Because there's no revelation. You didn't get a revelation. You're just trying to do something in the flesh. And you're not serving God out of your spirit. Now, this is stuff that was taught 40 years ago, and it was taught regularly. And unfortunately, in the churches, you don't hear much of it anymore. They're more into the light shows on the stage. But we are spirit beings, and we are to serve God from our spirit. I open my mouth and inhale. I take in the word of God, muttering on it. Because I crave the revelation so that when I get a revelation of your command, I can walk in it. Because with the command and the revelation of it comes the ability to do it. The light, he said that in verse 130. He said, break open your word within me until revelation light shines out. Okay. The other translation says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, right? Well, only the light can overpower the darkness. Unless you get the word in your heart and in your mouth, darkness will overpower you. Yeah. Satan 
Darkness cannot and never has prevailed over the light. John 1.5 tells us that. It, you know, in him was the light, the light was the light of men, and the light cannot, it says different, different definitions, the light cannot understand, it cannot prevail, and it cannot overpower the light. The darkness cannot overpower the light. Can't prevail against the light. Well, then why is there such opposition? Because he's trying to get you to let go of the light. If you let go of the light, he will overpower you. Because apart from the light, the all-sufficient, the El Shaddai, all-powerful, mighty one, all-bountiful, all-sufficient, all everything, protection, all that you need, God, is in that word. And when you let go of that light, you've just let your fortress and your protection down, and the enemy can now overpower you. Because nothing in creation can overpower darkness except the light of the word of God. Darkness cannot even stand in the presence of light. This is why we crave revelation more and more, because it's the unveiling of his glory and the unveiling of his grace and his insight to walk in his will and to walk in his strength, to walk in the El Shaddai. I don't walk in that just because I walk around and go, well, I'm saved, bless God, this is good. No. Abraham became a friend of God because he became intimately acquainted in obedience to God. 1 Peter chapter 1. Are you with me? Verses 24 and 25, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. It says, for all flesh is like grass, and all of its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. The word of the Lord endures forever. In the book of Luke, it says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. See, only the light of the word will prevail. The light of the word is the only truth in all of creation. Everything else is going to change, but the light of the word will never change. It is the only stability in creation, the light of the word of God. The light drives out the darkness. The word will stand for all eternity. So if you walk in the word, you'll walk in the eternal realm. I lost some of you there. If you walk in the word, you'll walk in the eternal realm because the word is eternal. Something that needs to be meditated on. Whatever hell has to offer you, the light can drive it out. Only the light can drive it out. You won't drive it out, but the light will drive it out. And when you learn to be a puppet, the voice of the spirit 
and the Word of God could come out of your mouth, out of your heart, from the Holy Ghost, and drive out that darkness. Dealing with anxiety? Then meditate on Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the, and, and, and the God of all peace will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Whatever is good, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is of virtue, whatever is of excellence and worthy of praise, think on these things. There's something else you can work on. Meditate on. Get it in your heart. Get it in your mouth. The word, as you meditate on it, will open up and the light will shine out. As you do it consistently and regularly, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Psalm 34 says, and the Lord hears the cry of the afflicted, the needy, and he answers them. In Peter it says, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. Jesus said in the book of Matthew, the birds, they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't do anything, but your heavenly Father takes care of them. Aren't you worth much more than the birds, O ye of little faith? He's sufficient for the birds. What is he for you? This is walking in the light. This is working together with the Lord. It's his word, and you take it. This is walking in the wisdom of God. His word is his wisdom. This is allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to move within us. I have to allow him to move within me. Just because he's in there doesn't mean that he's going to move. I have to allow him to move. You're the one with the free will, right? See, this is releasing his glory and his grace within us more and more and more. This is the word creating new things in us and thereby creating new things for us. The word prevails. The word will never fail, and the word will always stand. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but that word of God that's alive on the inside of you will stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what it says in Matthew 6, 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that the Gentiles seek after will be yours. Well, how do you seek the kingdom of God? Seeking the word of God, the word of God. Meditate on it. Put it in your mouth. Mutter it. How many of you are tired of hearing me say, meditate on the word, mutter it, muse over it? You know, because when you get tired of it, I'm going to say it even more. So you might as well get used to it because this is life. Are you with me? Meditate on it, put it in your mouth, mutter it, and revelation light will come forth in understanding as I seek first the kingdom of God, the word of God. He's my, he's my delight. He's my desire. Therefore, I give myself to his word. Amen. I'm seeking after 
uh, knowledge because revelation and light will come forth with understanding. That's what revelation is. And then knowledge will come from that, which is the application of the word into my life. Apply the word not to your money, not to your health, not to your house, not to other things that you need. Apply it to yourself. You've got to apply it to yourself first because you have to become the tree in order to be able to have fruit, in order to even have a leaf that never withers, and in order to be able to prosper in the things you do. You've got to apply it to yourself first. The word, the number one reason the word is come to you is to change you and me. It's to change us. That's what it's designed to do. God, as much as he wants you to have things taken care of you in your life, he don't really give a rip about your money. He don't give a rip about your house. He don't give a rip about your clothes. He gives everything and gave everything for you. This is why when you go through a situation and the enemy opposes you, God's not going to come over and go, get out of here, devil. That's up to you. Why? Because you need to grow. And God's more, more concerned with your growth than he is with your grub. The anointing of the Holy Spirit that comes on the revealed word will join together with you so that you can prevail in life. Our mouth that was speaking the word in to meditate on it, to muse over it, to ponder it, will now speak the word out as a sword so that you'll prevail against your enemy. Well, how do I know if that word coming out is not just me? Because 99.9% .9 of the time, you don't have a time to think about it. Your response has to be immediate. And the first thing out of your mouth will determine your outcome. Amen. Something hits your body, and the first thing you say is, oh, I need to get to the doctor. And then you go, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, you need to go to the doctor. You need to go to the doctor. That's the first thing that came out of your mouth. This is why we meditate on the word of God. When you wait till you have trouble, you're already behind the eight ball. Because the wrong things are already coming out of your mouth. You got to meditate on the word before trouble comes. And then when the trouble shows up, first thing out of your mouth needs to be, what does the word of God say? I'm redeemed from the curse of the Lord. Glory to God. Healing belongs to my body. I lay hands on my leg and I command it to line up in the name of Jesus. Amen. First thing out of your mouth determines your path. See, this is part of the armor that God has given to us. The sword, the sword, it's in your mouth. It's not in your hand, it's in your mouth. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Everybody good? Hebrews 4, 1. 
It says, therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. And we know rest has to do with every area of our life. Do we think that we have tapped into all that there is in the word of God and the kingdom of God? Do we have revelation on it all? Are we applying everything into our life? What is out there in the realm of the spirit that we have not connected to? What part of heaven's resources are available that we have not used? What of these things are we not interested in because we're just complacent? We should fear that while a promise remains of entering his rest, we would seem to fall short of it. Have we reached the end of all that ha God has for us in this age? And are we just sitting around waiting for the next age because after all, we've got everything? Now, intellectually, we know about the fruit of the Spirit. We might even be able to quote it. We know about the gifts of the Spirit. We know about the nine fruits. We know about the nine gifts. We can quote them. We know what they are. We know about righteousness. We know about sanctification. We know about healing. We know about prosperity. We know that we're redeemed from the curse. We have authority and been given dominion. But do we know it spiritually? Do we know it in Revelation? Are we seeking after his word for the revelation of his command? Do we know it in application? Oh, we know the gifts of the spirit, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. There's the gifts of healing, the gift of faith. There's a gift, the gift of special faith, and there's the gift of working of miracles. There is the gift of tongues, gift of interpretation, the gift of prophecy. I know all them. When was the last time you walked in them? Any of them? When was the last time? Don't tell me you know it. You're lying to yourself. You're around people every day, all day. And these gifts can operate every time. What about the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, endurance, patience, endurance, patience, endurance, patience with people and endurance with opposition. Goodness. Kindness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. What's the bottom line definition of meekness? Oh, I just, I'm just, a, I'm, I, I walk with my head down. I'm just so meek. Oh, stop. Stop yourself. The bottom line definition of meekness is teachable. Or are you like the old foolish king that has forgotten how to receive instruction? Better a lad that came out of prison and ready to learn. That's like the person that gets freshly born again, comes out, comes out of bondage. He's ready to learn in the kingdom. But then there's the person that's been saved for 40, 50 years, and they forgot how to receive instruction. How many people 40 years ago heard about being a spirit being and today forgot about it? All they know is their emotions and their mind. And that's pretty much it. 
for God. I'm a spirit being. I serve God in my spirit. I live for God out of my spirit. I worship God from my spirit. I speak the word of God out of my spirit. I pray in tongues out from my spirit. So, all these things that we say we know, do we know them spiritually? Do we have revelation on it? Is there application of it into our life? If not, then maybe that's why we think there's nothing else. Maybe that's why we think there's nothing really new. Maybe that's why we've come into a place of complacency rather than stepping into the realms that God has for us. First Corinthians chapter one, verses nine and 10. That's a Selah moment. There's something to think about. There's so much that God has for us. First Corinthians one, nine and 10. No, I'm sorry. Two. First Corinthians 2, verses 9 and 10. I wrote it down wrong. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man. Okay? These are all things that your senses can't know. Eye has not seen it. Ear has not heard it. You cannot understand, learn it, or even know these things through the realm of the senses. Verse 10. But to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Our bodies and our minds totally limited, but our spirit is not. So many times we live in the realms of great limitations because our minds are in total control. Human reasoning has very limited resources, but our spirit does not. Your spirit has for its resource El Shaddai that your mind can never know, your body will never know, your intellect cannot know, but only your spirit can. Because the spirit lives in the same realm as God. It lives in the spirit realm. Revelation comes by the Holy Spirit. He's revealed them through the spirit. And that revelation that comes by the Holy Spirit comes to our human spirit. You are a spirit being. You possess a soul. And you live in a body. So as we've said many times before. You are a person, and you may have a pet dog, and you and your pet dog live inside your house. I come to your house, and I'm like, I talk to the door. You need to go get this. I, I'm going to give you a message to give to the owner of this house. Or I knock on the door, and your dog's the first one to the door. 
And I go, well, since you're here first, let me talk to you and tell you what I want the owner to know. And the dog comes back to you and goes, And that's all you get out of it. And this is like we think about God. Well, God's going to talk to my body. Or God's going to talk to my pet soul, my mind, and my emotions. He'll talk to that. No, he wants to talk to you. Yeah. The real you. You're his child. He didn't put you in that body for your body to tell you what to do. That's what happened when Adam ate the fruit in the garden. But Jesus came as the second Adam to bring us back to our rightful place. As a spirit being, alive to God, child of the Most High. Like I said, in the New Testament, you don't see anything about God speaking to people in dreams anymore. You don't see God leading people by outward stuff. See, the Old Testament, they were spiritually dead. They didn't have the life of God in them. So God had to leave, lead them outwardly. But now that you're a child of God, born again, you have the life of God in you, the Holy Spirit within you. When Paul was going to go to Asia, he said the Holy Spirit forbade us to go. He didn't say the Holy Spirit broke my leg so I couldn't go. It's very simple. Paul, don't go. Simple. Ananias, go down the street. I want you to pray for Saul. He didn't cause Ananias' house to go on fire, so Ananias had to run out of the house. And then he wound up over at Saul's house and look, oh, look, there's somebody I want. Oh, God caused the fire so I could come pray for you. Amen. You don't see that. But how many people think that? Why? Because they don't know God, and they can only be led by things that are out here. And they're not being led. God's just taking the trash and using it the best that he can. Revelation from the Holy Spirit comes to our human spirit. God is unlimited in might, power, bounty, wisdom, glory, grace. Therefore, our spirit can also be unlimited. Unlimited riches of his glory and his grace. Verse 11 and 12. For just as it is written, things which eye has not seen. Oh, no, 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 no. Go to 11 and 12, please. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. All right, so only the spirit of God knows the thoughts of God. So unless the Spirit of God reveals to you those thoughts, we're not going to know them. Now, we have them written down because the Holy Spirit revealed them to the prophets of old, and they all wrote it down, and we can get it in, re in, in reading form. But in the same way the Holy Spirit breathed that word into existence, he wants to breathe that word inside of you. Amen. And that only happens... By meditating on his word, the more sure word. To know his thoughts, to know what was freely given, is to have light on the situation. You know, I can know 
And I remember when I first learned this, I knew that I was redeemed from the curse of the law. I knew that. I'm redeemed from sin, redeemed from sickness, redeemed from eternal death, redeemed from poverty. I knew that. But that wasn't my reaction to situations. But as I would meditate on it, it would come alive inside of me, it would all, then, all of a sudden then become the reactions to life. Verse 13. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. It's not human wisdom that teaches, but it's the Spirit taking spiritual thoughts, God's thoughts, and speaking spiritual words, which is why those words need to go into your spirit. And this is why we cannot afford to just have it sit in our head. It's got to get into our spirit. There's spiritual thoughts, spiritual words designed for your human spirit. Verse 14, but a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised or spiritually understood. The natural man is the one that's not born again. He does not understand these things at all. There is only one thing that a natural man is designed to understand, and not even to understand it, but to know. And that is you must be born again. It's the only thing. Because unless you're born again, you can't see the things of the kingdom. These are things of the kingdom. These are the things that we, as the body of Christ, ought to be walking in. Not walking like the natural, ordinary man. The natural man does not understand it. You remember... When Jesus was living on the earth and he was be teaching his disciples and the disciples would be going, what, what, what? Peter, I think it was Peter, I don't know if it was Peter or Luke or somebody came in to, to see Jesus and said, Jesus, the Greeks are here to see you. The Greeks are here, you know, the money people, they are here to see you. And Jesus looked at him and said, unless a seed fall on the ground and die, it'll remain by itself. But if it fall on the ground and die, it will bear much fruit. Huh? He goes back out again. I don't know. I'm going to tell him again that you're here to see him. Jesus, the Greeks are here to see you. Unless the seed fall on the ground and die, it remains by itself. But if it fall on the ground and die, it'll bear much fruit. Oh, what are you talking about? They had no idea. And neither do we. Except for Revelation. Now, once the disciples got born again in that inner room, and then on the Mount of Olives, they were told to go wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Spirit, and then they got filled with the Holy Ghost. And then all of a sudden, their eyes opened up. They opened up to the truth and to understanding, and they started walking in it. But the natural man would say, oh, they're just full of sweet wine. What the heck is going on here? It's only this, what time of the day? They're already full of sweet wine. The natural man would say, oh, these people, they've come to turn the world upside down, and now they've shown up over here. They're, they're disrupting our life. That's the natural man. Chapter 3, verse 1. 
I know I'm keeping you a little late, but it's just good. I'm enjoying it. How about you? Okay, I take those two amens as group, group response. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants or babes in Christ. Men of flesh, carnal Christians, they think, act, and talk just like the natural man. Lost as a goose in the fog. Although they're born again, they have no idea about the things of the kingdom. He said, I couldn't speak to you as to spiritual men. Why? Because they didn't understand spiritual things. They didn't understand spiritual thoughts. They didn't understand spiritual words. Verse 3. For you are still fleshly or carnal, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not carnal, fleshly? And are you not walking like mere, ordinary men? Walking just like everybody. Why? Jealousy and strife. See, they didn't give themselves to the general word of God. The word of God talks about jealousy and strife. Yeah, but they didn't have the New Testament. Old Testament. The Old Testament talks about jealousy and strife. They didn't give themselves to what the Word of God said. Are you with me? All right? So since they didn't give themselves to the general Word of God to walk in it, they didn't meditate on the general Word of God to change their life. Therefore, they're walking, living, acting, thinking, speaking, just like mere, ordinary, natural, unsaved people. Therefore, they could not accept or understand spiritual things. I can't talk to you as spiritual men. I've got to talk to you as babes. And even in a situation like this, you know, we have folks in the room. We have folks on live stream, folks on podcast. And there are some that, are, that can receive spiritual things and some that can't. And this is why we have other opportunities for you to grow in these things. If we're not understanding or accepting spiritual things, we're living in the limitations of our mind. And we're not pressing into the kingdom, the things of the kingdom, the realm of the kingdom. They could not go any further with the Holy Spirit at this point. I can't talk to you as spiritual men. You're babes. You're not even obeying the general word of God. You know, we've had uh, uh, folks that would want to get involved in ministry of helps, and they'd come talk to Pastor Morgan, and Pastor Morgan give them a sheet and go, these are the things that are required. And they'd be like, whoa, wait a minute. Required? No, I want to be a, a volunteer. I want to be a volunteer. We don't have volunteers. We have servants of the Lord. And in order to be a servant of the Lord, there are requirements, just like in Acts chapter 6, there was requirements. I've had people tell Pastor Morgan, well, I, I really believe God wants me to be involved in here, but I don't think he wants me to hold to this, right? Oh, okay, so he wants you to be an adulterer. That's okay. He wants you to be immoral. He wants you to be a thief. 
He wants you to be a substance abuser. Because that's what you're saying. Are you with me? They couldn't go any further with the Holy Spirit at this point. So what about us? Are we ready to proceed further into the kingdom of God? Are we ready to step into greater realms of the spirit? This is never anything that you should answer haphazardly. Like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm ready. You better get it together. Get it straight. And I'm telling you that seriously. It's not something you just jump back. This is something you must examine and consider. To be ready to step into greater realms of the spirit. Be ready to let go of our intellectual knowledge and do as the psalmist declared. Open our hearts to the word of God. The word is our delight because the word is the Lord. There is no difference or separation between Jesus and the word. Delighting ourselves in the word is to delight ourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we delight ourselves by meditating, musing over it, muttering it, and speaking it to ourselves. Very simple example. Excuse me. Very simple example. You don't have to turn there, but it, I'm sure you all know it. James 4, 7. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And how many people do you know of that has really stood against and resisted the devil? And lost. Because they don't know how to resist. And the same verse that tells you to resist is the same verse that tells you what to do. Submit to God. That is your resistance. Submission. The word submit means to put things in its proper order. That God is first place. God and his word are first place. You put God and his word first place. You are introducing the light into the situation. And the light drives back the darkness. In fact, it even says that when it says he flees from you, another translation says he will flee from you as one in utter terror. Well, why is that? Because the devil believes God and he trembles. There is nobody in this room or on the face of the earth that believes in God more than the devil does. But the devil trembles, and that's why his faith is fake, because he can't act on it. Satan cannot stand in the light. He can't. You put that light into the situation, he can't stand. Now, how much light is in the situation? Depends on how much is in you. The brighter the light gets from you, the more it stands against him, the more he can't stand in the light. You know, it's like uh, you, uh, you know, yeah, it's like, okay, see, my light, you see, I've got, you can, you can turn all the lights out and that screen will, will give off some light. Dim, dim, but it's light. But then you could also Turn on the flashlight, and you'd have a little more light, and it'd be a little brighter. And then you can go get my military flashlight, and you'd have even a lot more light. And then you can get a spotlight, and then you can get a street light, and then you can get all kinds of big lights that gets brighter and brighter and brighter. 
and the bright of the light is coming from you because what did the word say? The word you put in will be a revelation light out from you. And that word that comes out from you, that light that comes out from you is what will drive away the darkness. I still remember the day sitting in my car, driving down the street, and all of a sudden I went, <coughs> what is that? It hurt like hell. And I started declaring right away what the word of God said. And, you know, my flesh is screaming, pull over, pull over, pull over. And I said, no, my God's redeemed me from the curse of the Lord. My body works like it ought to. My hand is on my body, and I call it to be healed in the name of Jesus. Well, it went away, and I drove to where I needed to go. About two weeks later, I was walking out of a restaurant with, a, with another couple, and we're standing in the parking lot talking. And as we're talking to them, <laughs> Here it comes again. And I'm standing there talking to the person, you know, talking to my body at the same time. And I'm talking to these people. And I'm pretty much, my flesh is going, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go. And I'm like, no, 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 we're standing, we're staying, we believe in God. Now, some people would say, well, you know, I'm sure you've had some damage. No damage. I've been checked out since. No damage. all about what's in your heart, what's in your mouth. What's in your heart, what's in your mouth. Does my body act perfectly like it should? Not until I talk to it. I'm talking to that thing regularly. going to do what I tell it to do. Amen. Amen. My body belongs to me. It don't own me. It's mine. You know, when your house needs painting, what do you do? You get it painted. Something breaks in the house. What do you do? You get it fixed. You don't sit around and go, oh, I can't believe. I can't believe this is broken. Oh, this looks like such trash. It needs to be painted so bad. Oh, this looks so bad. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. You don't do that. See, you're okay. So you can fix up what needs to be fixed. Yeah. See, spiritually, I'm okay. So I can take charge of my house. I can get my pet and keep it from messing in my house. My little mind and my little emotions, they are not going to mess in my house. I'm going to keep that thing on a leash. And if it don't do what it's supposed to do, it's going to get disciplined. Are you with me? Very simple. And I'll close with this. The solutions to life's issues lies within the light of the Word of God. The solutions to life's issues lie within the light of the Word of God. And it gets illuminated in us by the Holy Spirit. In the avenues of the Spirit are divine solutions, always. The presence of God, He's waiting for you because He has solutions for you. Praying in tongues enters into the riches of God's resources and wisdom so it can be revealed from the Word of God by the Holy Spirit into our spirit in every situation. What we put in, the Holy Spirit can bring to our remembrance. What we put in, 
the Holy Spirit can lead us in that truth, what we put within us. God's word is not a formula. It's not a format. It's not a program. It's alive. It's a living force. And it can enter into our spirit, and then it can saturate into our soul and give us access into the limitless avenues of the spirit. That we do not have to live limited. Amen. Amen. Just bow your heads for a moment. And the question is simple. Are you hungry for God in your heart? Are you ready to discover new avenues and new frontiers in the spirit? Are you ready to move forward to introduce light into the darkness so that you can prevail in your life? Are you ready to reach beyond the veil of the flesh and touch the living God? Just say this with me today. I want you to hear what I say before you say it so that you can decide whether you ought to say it because you may not feel the grace to say it and I don't want you just to say something because of just saying something. Father in heaven, I am setting myself so that by your spirit you can help me be prepared to move forward in new avenues and new frontiers in the spirit. Lord God, my Father, I am hungry for you. My flesh may stand in opposition. My mind may try to oppose. But I'm saying today, in my heart, in my spirit, I am hungry for more of you. I want more of you. I want to know you more, love you more, obey you more, to walk more in your ways, in your plans, and in your purposes. I desire to be free from the limits that are imposed on me and release you in my life the unlimited avenues of the Spirit. Lord Jesus, I heard in your word that you've torn down the veil of the flesh. Therefore, this flesh cannot hold me back, but I can step in to touch the living God, my God, the all-sufficient one, the almighty God, the all-bountiful God, my fortress, my protection, my loving kindness, my strong tower. Lord God, I declare these things to you. This day, 
And I ask today that by your Holy Spirit, you would help me, strengthen me in order to do the things that I need to do, that this truth may show forth in my life. Here I am. I am ready. Amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Praise your name. Praise your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, praise you, praise you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I did keep you a little long today, but according to the old time yesterday, it's really only 1130. <laughs> so we are early. <laughs> Praise God. God is good. Are you ready for what God has? I know he wants to do some things in your life. He wants to do things personally. He wants to do things in the body of Christ, and he wants to touch the world. Amen. Hallelujah. Only two more weeks, I believe it is. Dr. Dennis Burke is going to be here. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night. Thank you for the all right. I appreciate that on the front row. If you want to stay for breakfast, Sunday night service, there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. You don't need to sign up to come to church, but you do need to sign up to come to breakfast so that we can have enough food for everybody. Okay, and of course, with all the extra services coming with Dr. Dennis Burke, please check your help schedules and uh, where things are at uh, because of the extra meetings. Hallelujah. 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 And I am believing God that we're going to go further into these things. Amen. Amen. Father, we bless you. We honor you, Father. Father, I thank you for every person here, for every person on live stream and every person on podcast. Father, I thank you that your word is a light to our path and a lamp to our feet. That it opens up on the inside of us so that your light can shine forth. Oh, Father, I thank you so much for what you've deposited in us today. That we can give ourselves to these things and that it will just burn on the inside of us and come out in a great and a mighty force. Father, I thank you for that. As we come before you with our giving, Father, we do so according to your word. Your word says that we can give and yet increase all the more. Your word says that we can bring the tithe into the storehouse. You open up the windows of heaven and you'll pour out a blessing until there's not room enough to receive it. You'll rebuke the devourer for our sake. And Father, I thank you. Thank you for that, Father, that because of that tithe that we will be called the blessed. We honor you, we bless you, and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Again, if you joined us on live stream podcast, thanks so much for being with us today. And I do pray that the word of God has really touched you and affected you today. Um, as I said, it was, it was a little lengthy. But, you know, lengthy in the presence of God just can't do you any harm. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, click on the giving link, and I thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. And of course, if there's anything at all that we can stand in prayer with you about 
and believe God with you for your needs to be met. God is the all-sufficient, all-bountiful, all-powerful, and almighty one. He is El Shaddai, and he has allowed us to come into his presence so that he can hear the cry of the needy and meet your needs. Amen.